Hey, sermon time. So we're in James chapter 5, and I, this is one of the things that just breaks my heart. So James chapter 5 has so much cool stuff in it, and I started off with like three big points, and then I was like, man, we're going to be here for like two hours, so I cut it down to like two big points, and I was like, we're still going to be here. So we're actually only going to look at two verses, which is kind of wild, but um, I don't know. I think they're, they're pretty cool verses. Hey, and if you missed Graham's sermon last week, so Graham preached on chapter 4 last week. Such a good sermon. Like, it was really, really good. He unpacked it amazingly. So we had young adults uh, at our place on Sunday nights, and we had their last, and a the, yeah, bunch of the young adults said to me, they just really appreciated that message. So if you missed it, you can go and listen to the podcast or watch the video online. And Yeah, super good, eh? Um, so this week, we're just going to look at two verses, and the verses are all about prayer. And so this week, I was trying to think, what have been some of the most um, powerful times in my life around prayer? And I love praying, right? Who loves to pray? Anyone? Everyone? Some people? All right. Um, <laughs> that's a weird question, right? Um, and so I was trying to think, what have been some of the most powerful, which was quite tricky because there's a lot of different flavors of powerful prayer, if you know what I mean. So two that kept coming to my head is one, I was speaking at a big youth camp down in Palmerston North once, and there was like 2,000 youth, right? It's massive. And so all the organization instructors just off the charts for that kind of thing. And I was the speaker, and I was pretty terrified because that's a lot of youth to talk to. Um, and if you've ever tried talking to youth, their attention span is like a gnat, and so you just got to go kind of crazy the whole time. Um, and so they did two things that I thought was super cool. So one, they assigned me a prayer person for the whole weekend, which was like blew my mind. And his job was just to hang out with me the whole time, get me coffee, get me food, get me whatever I needed, but to just pray for me the whole time. So we'd be doing something, and he'd just be like, bro, we should just pray. And I'll be like, like walking around in line to get food. And I'll be like, oh, bro, okay. Well, it was just the most cool, like, prayer thing. I was awesome. And then the other thing they did that was really cool is before every session, they got everyone together who was, had anything to do with uh, the stage stuff. So the tech team, the, you know, blah, 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 the preachers, the worship, everyone. Everyone came into a big circle. And then anyone who was going to be on stage, they got us all kind of squashed in the middle. Because there'd be like 40 or 50 people when you get everyone involved. And everyone who's going to be on stage is also kind of squashed in the middle. And then everyone around you just kind of prayed. And it was this like, the first time, at the same time, the first time it happened, I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. But then it was like, man, this is wild. There's all these people in this group just all calling out to God that God would move tonight or the morning or whatever. So that's, that was a really cool um, prayer thing to be a part of. And then the other one, this is a bit emotional, but I was thinking, hey, I'm trying to be serious and genuine. So the other time that I've just loved prayer was me and my mum was dying. So you guys know my mum died right at the beginning of the first COVID lockdown, which is complete chaos. Um, but when she was a couple, maybe three days away from, from dying, mum had been a strong Christian her whole life, loved Jesus like crazy. She started to question her faith, which is really common for people as they start kind of getting towards the end. They can start being like, am I really saved? Is this Jesus thing real? And one morning I went in, and I used to go in each morning. I, I was with her for that last kind of week of her life, week and a bit. And I'd go in and read some Bible and, and pray and stuff. And I was reading the Bible one morning, and she just stopped and held my hand, and she's like, this is all real, eh? This, I'm saved, eh? And I was like, oh, man, this is, it's pretty full on. When your mum asks you that, when you know you're like two days away from dying or whatever. And I was like, oh, for sure. And I said, look, I just need to pray. And I prayed with her, and it was just one of those like, oh, really beautiful times of prayer. You're with me, eh? And it's like, I love that. Like, you can pray with 2,000 idiot youth running around like maniacs and having a cool time. You can pray just one-on-one. And prayer is this powerful time when we come before God, right? Um, we come before God. We connect with Him. I just love that. Can you check up the slide? Um, oh, yeah, it's up there already. Cool. Okay. 
Um, this is the first point. So I just got two points from two verses, verse 13 and then um, verse 14. So let's read verse 13 um, together. So if you've got your Bible, jump over there, eh? Um, so this is verse 13. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? And we're going to, we need to understand what the word hardships mean. And when I tell you, I'm pretty sure heaps of you are going to go, shut up, because that's pretty full on, right? Uh, any of you suffering hardships, you should pray. Uh, any of you happy, you should sing praises. So that's this kind of verse 13. So I love this quote. I got a quote. It's on two slides, and I just, I've read this quote a bunch this week. And every time I read it, I'm like, man, that's such a good quote. Oh, so here we go. It's just talking about prayer in, in general. Um, we have the privilege to come to God, and He listens to us and responds. Now, I just stop for a second, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then he unpacks that. This is astounding. The God of the universe cares about your little life, and it's not little to Him. He made your life. He sustains your life. He cares about your life. Mm. God gives you your good days. God does not stand aloof on your bad days. God doesn't shame you for your failures, but redeems you from the slavery of sin. That's pretty cool, eh? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Here's the second half. God does not regret getting involved with you. Man, I love, I love that line. <laughs> he delights to care for you as only he can. He provides a way to healing and peace, though none of us deserve it. And I underlined this last sentence. I thought this was really powerful. The God who created and rules all we see and know knows us at the deepest possible level, and he calls us to himself to find provision for all that ails us and a fitting end for all that delights us. <laughs> I'll just read that, that underlined sentence again. The God who created and rules all we see and know knows us at the deepest possible level, and he calls us to himself to find provision for all that ails us and a fitting end for all that delights us. Mm. I just love that, eh? I love that, um, that quote. So verse 13 is pretty simple to understand. <laughs> Basically, James says, when there's hardships, when everything's hitting the fan, pray. He, he just says, run to God. Right? Don't try and do, just pray, 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 pray. But then the other side is, when everything's really great, pray as well. Praise God, right? Um, I just love that. We need to unpack those a little bit. Um, one of the things I wanted to do is I love... So that's James talking about um, prayer, and he's basically like, no matter what's going on in life, pray. You should just be talking to God. If you're not, you're nuts. That's kind of where he's coming from. Um, but Paul talks heaps about prayer, and Paul's real funny because Paul's, I think, super blunt on prayer. So um, if you've got your Bible, jump to these two verses. So first one's Ephesians 6, um, 18. And, oh, and kia ora, podcast people. Hey, kia ora, people on the video. How you doing? Good to connect with you. Hey, I hope you're doing super well. If you're driving, concentrate on the road. Don't listen to my crazy sermon and go I'm driving off the road or something. Where are we going? 6.18. Um, so this verse is at the end of um, when Paul's been talking about spiritual warfare, right? And he says how our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's about there's a spiritual realm. He's like, there's this whole spiritual realm that's trying to attack us, and he's been talking about that. And then he kind of wraps up that little bit, and he says this in verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, every time I read this verse, I kind of laugh because it's like Paul just repeats, 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 right? So he, he says something, and you're like, yeah, I get it, but then he's like, none of you didn't. So he kind of expands on it again. So he goes... Pray in the Spirit at all times. So praying in the Spirit at all times means just praying in the Spirit all the time, 
right? Makes sense. But then he goes, and on every occasion, and it's kind of like, we don't just say on every occasion if you've literally just told me to pray at all times. But his whole point is like, yeah, but you don't. We don't pray at all times. We don't pray on every occasion. So he's kind of repeating it. And then he, see, he kind of carries on. He goes, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers. It's like, well, you've already told me to pray at all times. You've told me to pray on every occasion. Now you're telling me to be persistent. He just repeats it. I love it. Okay, and then First Thessalonians um, 5, 7, which is real funny when we're thinking about prayer because it's so just super short. Uh, where are we going? First Thessalonians 5, 17. Oop. Sorry. First Thessalonians 5.17. So Paul finishes this letter to the Thessalon- Thessalonica church, and he just has all these like boom, boom, booms. Verse 16, always be joyful. And then verse 17, I love it. Just never stop praying. And it's like, okay, super cool. <laughs> pretty blunt, pretty simple. Okay, so back to James, right? He says, um, if you're undergoing hardships, then pray. So this next bit comes with a bit of a warning, but it's not my fault. It's the Bible and history. So if you're angry, you could complain to Jose, because she'd love to hear your complaints. Um, So the word hardships here is the same word he uses in verse 10. So in verse 10, he talks about prophets going through hard times, prophets going through sufferings. Um, So I just want to jump over to Hebrews 11, and there we have a bit of an idea of what some of these um, hardships were that people were going through. So I think it's down, I think I wrote it down. Yeah, verse 35. Um, so the reason I wanted to read this is he's meaning when things are really hitting the fan, when your life is, I mean, we know we should pray all the time, but he's saying, hey, when things are like bad, like really bad, pray. Just run to God. That's what he's talking about. And so he's deliberately used the same word in verse 13 that he used in verse 10 to talk about prophets. So we want to understand how, what were the prophets going through? In Hebrews 11, you get this crazy description here. This is halfway through verse 35 of Hebrews 11. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. And then here we go. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sword in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about and he carries on, he carries on. So when he talks about this, this hardship, he's meaning really, really rough stuff. So the one that always blows my mind is the sawn in half bit. So this is the gross bit, right? So I was going to put a picture up, and then I was like, then there'd be a lot of complaints to Joe's. But this is what they used to do. So I wanted you to get, he's saying when things are really bad. So stomp lads, prepare to be like, yeah, if you like gross stuff. So the way they used to kill people by sawing them in two, and, and you can see depictions of this if you Google it, maybe don't Google it. Um, they would literally strip them naked and then hang them upside down by their feet and then get a large wooden saw and literally cut them in half. Now, I'm like, the level of pain and suffering there is just off the charts. But again, James has deliberately used that same word in verse 13 that he used in 10. Now, he knows now we understand this, and he's saying, man, when things are that bad, (laughs) when things are that bad, there's nothing you can do other than pray. (laughs) Call out to God and go, God, help, my world is falling apart. I just need you. Now, we're going to look at verse 14 in a minute, and one of the things that, that I think it's really important to get is sometimes you can't pray. Sometimes the hardship is so bad, you just cannot pray. You can't read your Bible, you can't pray, you are just so broken and desperate. And so I don't want to be the guy standing up here saying, yeah, when everything's hitting the fan, just pray, and God will sort it. It's, like, no, no, it's just not that easy, right? Um, so 
podcast people, video people especially, eh? if, if you hadn't, weren't able to make it to church today because you're in a tough time, sometimes we just can't pray. So what do we do? We need to have people pray for us, right? And he's going to explain that in verse 14 even bigger. So sometimes you're like, man, my world is falling apart so badly. I just can't pray. So you've got to get someone around you praying, right? Um, come and talk to me. I'm paid to pray for people, which is kind of a wild thing. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there's people in our church going through rough times at the moment, and they can't pray. And if someone said to them, everything's hitting the fan, pray, they'd just look at you real blankly and be like, can't. So that's where I'll go and pray with them, or you guys pray with them, and that's where we have that cool, cool community when we see someone we love, someone we care about struggling. We don't say to them, you should pray more. <laughs> we go, hey, can I come around, have coffee, and pray? Or maybe just, can I pop around and pray and leave because you can't handle me being there for long? We jump into it. I love that, eh? All right, so then he jumps sideways, and this is just weird. So one minute he's talking about hardships, people being sworn into and all this, and then he jumps to this. Any of you happy? You should sing praises. And it's like, what? Where? Where do we go? How did we, how do we get over there? <laughs> What's going on? And I think the reason he does this is because the, the hardship one is obvious. We know when everything's hitting the fan, when our world's falling apart, we run to God, right? We just, that's all we can do. We run to God. And I think James is saying, yeah, but when everything's great and wonderful and fantastic, <laughs> also run to God. <laughs> Which, to be honest, I'm pretty useless at. When everything's hitting the fan, I'm really good at getting on my knees, calling out to God. But when everything's amazing and great, I'm running around and <laughs> enjoying the sun, going for a bike ride. I think James is saying, hey, when everything's really good as well, that's a good time to remember God's blessing and his care, sing praises to him, rejoice in him. I love that, eh? All right, a couple of questions for y'all, or all y'all if you're from the South. Um, so here's a couple of questions to discuss. So what are some of the ways you praise God when things are going great? So what are some of the things you do when everything's really good? What are some of the things you do, you make sure you do so that you, you praise God? Because that's what James is saying. Um, or you want, might want to do this next question. Have you ever been too burdened or too sick to pray? And what did you do? It's kind of a grunty question. Was there ever a time in your life when it was just so heavy, so hard? And you just couldn't pray. What did you do in that situation? So if you're visiting with us, awesome to have you here. Um, so we're literally going to grab a friend or two or three or random people beside us and have a little chat for two or three minutes. So the rule is always if you're visiting or you're not visiting <laughs> um, and you're just hanging out with God. And the last thing you want now is to talk to someone, just stare at the screen. So if anyone's staring at the screen, you'll get left alone. If you're not staring at the screen, people will now pounce on you and have a little chat. So grab a friend, choose one of those or both and have a little talk. Cool. All right, kia ora. So any thoughts on either of these questions? Eh? Anyone want to comment? Oh, yeah, Louise. Kia ora, Louise. Kia ora. Um, I was just sharing. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, eh? That's super cool. So Louise visits heaps of rest homes and sings and tells jokes that are hilarious jokes and stuff to lift them up and point them to Jesus. It's cool. Shot, Louise. Anyone else? Either question? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, eh? Yeah, Benice is saying, sing when it's great, sing when it's not great. It's cool, eh? Yeah, I think it's, just a side note here, I think it's really important to have two or three playlists if you listen to music on your phone or some device. And, like, always have one that you know as soon as you start playing those songs, it lifts your soul. So I have, like, a big playlist, which I love, 
but I also have just quite a small playlist that I know if I play this, it just leads me to Jesus, right? Which I think is cool. So yeah, shot, Vanessa. Anyone else? Kind of a heavy question, eh? Naomi? Yeah, that's cool, eh? Yeah, which is really hard. So sorry, Naomi's saying sometimes when, I don't know, struggling, things are real heavy, to make sure that she gets hold of those people that are around her that she knows will really pray. And it's like a follow-up thought on that. I think if, if you feel yourself, because sometimes when you're in the, in the low place, it's too late because you just don't have that energy or you just, it's really hard to ask people to pray. So the second you start feeling yourself heading there, ask them to pray or have already said to them, hey, you, you'll know when I'm going downhill. Just start praying and, and let me know. Like I think there's real benefit, obviously, in just praying, but I think there's a double benefit in when we pray and we let the person know. And just a text, hey, man, God really put you on my heart. I've just been praying for you. Because when I get a text like that, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's cool. But just Annette talking about when Micah was on life support, and yeah, not, things were not good. About different prayer meetings happening that were just super awesome, eh? It is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've gone to heaps of prayer times in our church and never said a word because I'm just feeling really burdened or... Just feeling smashed, but I just love being in the presence of people that are praying. Joseph and I were talking about it the other day, and it's funny how often you'll do that, and then people will pray, and you're like, oh, that's what I would have prayed anyway, so I didn't need to say anything, so it's kind of cool. All right, let's boogie on, eh? Super cool. Um, oh, a little quote. So there's a little quote from Matt Chandler. He's a pastor over in the U.S. I just love this. Again, talking about prayer. Um, he says, prayer, this is kind of, this first line is pretty powerful. Prayer is infinitely more than a transition in our lives from our everyday routines to a spiritual moment and then back again. Prayer is ongoing communion with God. If God is the source of our life, salvation, hope, and righteousness, and he is, then prayer is the way we approach him in utter dependence and satisfaction. James repeatedly pointed out that knowing the right things about God isn't the same as faithful life in relationship with God. I love that. Eh? It's all about relationship. I love that first line. I'll read it again. Prayer is infinitely more than a transition in our lives from our everyday routines to a spiritual moment and then back again. It's this whole thing where prayer, like Paul said, James is saying, prayer should be a part of who we are. We're, we're talking to God. We're chatting with God during our day. It's not this whole, oh, I better stop and pray and now back into my life. It's part of, um, I don't know, who we are, right? Um, a little funny story I was reading this week about prayer, about God. Um, this is by Jonathan Dodson. So he's a guy over in the States. And he said, I had the crazy idea that going on a five-hour field trip to NASA with 55th graders would be a good idea. Where's Emily? How old's fifth grade? 11 or 12. Oh, even worse than I was thinking. So 55th, 11 or 12-year-olds going to NASA would be a good idea. As a chaperone to three kids, I was tasked with not letting them out of my sight. On the way to NASA, one of them told me about a summer camp he went to. He said, I didn't really like it because they made us sing to God every night and listen to someone talk about him. I mean, I believe in God, but I just think you should keep him on the side. <laughs> he, and Jonathan responds and says, I thought about what he said and replied, if God is the most important person in the world, don't you think he should be more than just on the side? <laughs> the boy stared at me blankly for a moment and then looked away and said, I guess... And then Jonathan finishes by saying, when we sideline God, something has to take his place. <laughs> now, I just think if we're not going to be intentional about drawing prayer into our life, like James has said, like Paul has said, then we just forget. 
we just forget it. And God gets sidelined, right? And it's that classic thing. I've been saying for a couple of years now, this classic thing where if we don't keep God at the center of our life and center our life around him, we end up fitting God into our life rather than fitting our life into God. Does it make sense? And so we'll only include God in what we're doing when it works, when it fits with my schedule, rather than flipping it around and going, well, here's the creator of the universe. My schedule needs to revolve around him and connecting with him and church and life group and all that stuff. Still a funny story, though. All right, so that was the first point. Like, basically pray about everything. That's great, pray when things are hitting the fan. Um, pray when things are great, um, pray. So here's the second point. Um, when things are super tough, Call the elders. So turn to someone and say, call the elders. This sounds cool. I love that. Ethan, turn to someone and say, call the elders. And I've got the microphone. I have all the power at the moment. <laughs> um, let me read verse 14 uh, to us. Let me jump back there. Just so we've got it fresh in our heads. Where is it? James 5. 14. It says, um, are you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, it's really interesting to see what James has done. He said, when there's hardships, right, real bad stuff, pray. But when everything's really good, praise God. But it seems the way, the way you read it, it's like, but when it's next level, call the elders. That seems to be what he's saying, right? When things are just like, oh my gosh. And when he says sick, I don't think he's just meaning physical sick. He's meaning emotional, spiritual, whatever. When, they, when you're really sick, when you're like, oh my gosh, call in. The big guns is the way I always call <laughs> call the elders, right? Um, pretty massive. So here's that, the, that, that core part of that verse. Any of you sick, <laughs> you should call the elders. Um, I don't know. So this verse, I broke this verse down to three bits because he kind of says some weird stuff in the second half of the verse. That if you don't understand, you're like, oh, just call the elders. Why would I do that? So the first thing, first part is call the elders. That's not rocket science, right? So why does James say call the elders? What's so important about the elders coming and praying for you? And I say this real carefully, that is better than a normal person praying. Are you with me? He's saying that, right? He's clearly saying when it's so bad, call the elders because there's something special about the way they pray or their, and I'll explain it. I'm trying not to let all my cats out of the bag. Horrible expression, according to Cat in the Hat. Great movie, side note. All right, First Peter 5. Um, one to four. This is one of my favourite kind of descriptions of uh, of elders. I I just come back to this all the time. I love this. Eh? So if you got your Bible, it's good to boost over there. Um, First Peter five. So the question we've got is why would James say elders are? I don't want to say their prayers are better, but there's something special about elders' prayer. And and Paul. Um, Peter and he's talking about being an elder, and then he kind of defines what an elder or who an elder really is. So let me read these verses. First Peter 5, 1 to 4. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. And now he kind of defines who an elder is. And in this first bit, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Why you'd call them to come and care for you. Care for the flock that God's entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you'll get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. And it's that first bit in verse 2, care for the flock that God's entrusted to you. There's a special status, a special position of elders 
as a church, when we say we're going to take on new elders, we tell the church, hey, this is who we're thinking, and as a church we think, and we pray, and we kind of go, yes, no. But the thing to remember is behind all that is God working, right? And so our elders aren't there just because someone had a great idea and was like, hey, so-and-so would be a cool elder. It's like, no, no, they are appointed by God. And I love how he talks in here about how they, they care for the flock. They're like these shepherds who care for the flock. So if you're a sheep and everything's custard, you don't go to another sheep and be like, yo, sheep, I'm stuck in a fence, because that sheep would look at you and go, ah, right, no, I'm joking. You'd go to the shepherd and be like, help, I'm stuck on the fence. And the shepherd comes and goes, da, 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 da. <laughs> um, I've told you those silly, so we used to live in the country, had sheep, which was so much fun. A number of times they got stuck in the fence, idiots, and they could not get themselves out. They were stuck in the fence because they're idiots. I'd go and cut the fence in the end because I got sick of them getting stuck to get them out. They'd get um, fly blown and have maggots in them. They're completely helpless. They can't reach around and, you know, they can't get the maggots out, so I'm in there picking out maggots. And um, I had to uh, prune their toenails. Do they have hooves? Hooves, eh? Sheep have hooves? Yeah, I had like a brain black then. But you've got to prune it. They can't do it themselves. They can't, you know, I don't know. They're pretty helpless. Um, we're not helpless, right, as a church. But there's times as sheep <laughs> that things are just tough. They're really tough. And, and maybe we can pray, maybe we can't. But James says there's something special when things are really tough. Call the elders. Because <laughs> they're the ones that care for you. They're your spiritual shepherds. And I love how he sees them first better. They're not in it for gain. I'm like, I don't know what the gain would be. None of our elders are like paid or anything crazy. Um, I just need to read that Acts 20. That's one of, this Acts 21 is one of my favorite kind of definitions of, a, um, of an elder. So this is uh, Paul, um, not long before Paul dies, a couple of years before he dies, and he has planned all these churches, and the church in Ephesus has a real special place in his heart, and he's traveling back to Jerusalem where he's going to get arrested and taken to Rome. And so when he's traveling, he wants to meet up with the, the elders of the church in Ephesus, and they meet on the, the beach and they pray together. And in the middle of the prayer, he says this from verse 28, guard yourselves and God's people. And here's the same analogy, right? Different person, the other one was Peter, um, this is Paul. Feed and shepherd God's flock. And this next bit always just blows my mind. His church, purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. It's like, man, as the church, we were purchased with the blood of Jesus, right? The only reason we were Christians, the only reason we're in relationship with God is because Jesus died in our place. And so then he kind of says to the elders, man, this church, this is how precious they are, that I purchased them with the blood of Jesus. So you elders, care for them, shepherd them. So why wouldn't you call the elders, right? Now, I'm going to say it now because it's kind of rude. And then I'm going to say it again in a minute. Um, If you are struggling and if you're on the podcast or the video (laughs) and things are tough, why haven't you called for the elders to come and pray? (laughs) I think arrogance. (laughs) And fear are the biggest things. I think sometimes we're just arrogant. We're like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I can work through it. And it's like, no, you're not. (laughs) You're not going to get through it. And then I think fear, it's really scary to ask for the elders. They're the big big dogs in the church. But we've got to get over that and say, no, they are my shepherds. They love me. Come and help. Ah, (laughs) Come and help. Okay, so here's the other couple of points. So I kind of break this verse down into like points. Are any of you sick? You should, A, call the elders of the church. Why? Because they're your shepherds. They care for you. Secondly, to come and pray over you. And then thirdly, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Um, that second phrase is really weird, um, to come and pray over you. So the New Testament was mainly written in Greek, right? That was the language back then. And the way James put this construction of Greek together is just really weird. The, the natural reading would be, 
to ask the elders to come and like hover over you. And it's like, that would just be freaky. <laughs> You're there feeling sick and all the elders are like, oh, I'd be like, oh, what's happening? It's freaking me out. Um, and so the only other time this little weird Greek construction is used is over in Matthew when, when people bring their children to Jesus and Jesus lays his hands on them and prays for them. And so it's like, oh, so that's what it means. So what it means is for the elders to come and literally put their hands on the person and pray with them. And so you guys know, right, in, in Jesus' time um, and in the Old Testament, when someone put their hand on someone, it was this, this very strong message that we are with you in this. We're with you in this. And I love what James is saying. We're in such a video, phoning kind of culture. James is not saying when you're sick, text one of the elders and be like, yo, elder, whoever, can you text me a prayer or send me a video? It's like, no, 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 no. They need to come. They need to be with you. They need to put their hands on you. I think physically and say, we are with you. We're your shepherds. We love you. We're broken with you in this. We're, we're journeying in this with you. I, I just love that, eh? That's a cool image, eh? Cool image? Man, the feedback in this church just blows my mind. Far out. You guys are fired. Roz, you get a gold star. Everyone else, no gold star. All right, and then the last bit's real wild. Um, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. This is kind of a wild one. So long story short, I ended up doing way too much study on what this actually means. So I've always held it to mean two things. One, in the Old Testament especially, they used, and in Jesus' time, they used oil for curing a lot of sicknesses and stuff, but not all sicknesses. There was heaps of sicknesses that they were like, there's no point in putting oil on this. So James is obviously not saying when someone's sick, the elder should come and put oil on them thinking there's something special about the oil that's going to bring healing. It's totally not what he's saying. And then the other thing I've always thought is that the point of the oil is that you're, you're touching the person. You're, you're anointing them, saying we're with you. But he's literally just said that, right? So he wouldn't repeat it. So after a whole bunch of reading, where I landed was back in the Old Testament, where anointing first started. The reason they would anoint someone was, was always to set them apart for a special role with God, right? Anoint someone to set them apart as a special role with God. So David, when he's going to become king, Samuel comes and anoints him with oil, saying, we're setting you apart as to be king. When Aaron was going to be priest, um, they anoint him with oil, saying, we're setting you apart as priest. So this bit got me ridiculously excited because then I read in a couple of commentaries that what this, this verse literally means is that when the elders come, so the shepherds come because they care for you and they lay their hands on you because they're saying we're with you in this. We're not texting it in, we're not phoning it in, we're with you in this, this hard time. That they then anoint you with oil saying as the leaders who were appointed by God in this church, we are now setting you aside, setting you apart for special blessing by God, special healing by God. And I was like, man, that is some really cool imagery. Cool imagery, eh? You with me? Well, that was cool. So I have a little thing of oil um, in my laptop bag that I take with me. And heaps of times when I've visited someone, I'll be praying because I'm one of the elders, and I'll just anoint. I just do a little cross on their hand and pray with them. And I'm like, oh, this just got me so much more excited, eh? Sometimes I've been a wuss. I think I've told you that before. And everything in me has been like, I need to anoint this person and pray with them. And I'm like, oh, it's such a weird cultural thing. But now I'm like, nah, stuff it. I'm just going to do it. So I've had a few people be like, oh, okay, sure, why not? And then I'll explain why. And they're like, okay, it's always weird. Now you're looking at me weird. When was the last time one of you went and anointed someone with oil, right? It's not a normal New Zealand thing we do, right? We anoint our lamb with oil before we cook it in the oven. But that's about it, right? I don't know. You're all looking at me weird, but I do it all the time. The other thing I'm, I'm trying to do a lot, be a lot more intentional about is praying with people. 
Um, this sounds really weird, but I have a real, I'm very introverted, and I have a real low self-esteem, and so often when I meet with someone, I want to pray for them, and I'm all like, oh, what if they think I'm an idiot? And now I'm like, they probably think that already, so I'm just going to pray. So I'm just praying for people all the time now, which I love. All right, last thing. I know you guys are like, when is this guy going to stop? Last thing. Here's the, the three things he said. Suffering, just pray. If you're happy, praise. If you're sick, call the elders to pray for you. So etu, and then I'm going to give you a bit of a challenge. Etu, let's all stand up, eh? So as one of these, the Holy Spirit's talked to you about this morning. As one of these, the Holy Spirit has said to you, hey, this is the one you need to look at. You're, you're really struggling. You've got hardship going on. You need to be a bit more intentional in prayer. You can pray, so you need to be more intentional. Uh, maybe it's the second one. You're like, man, I'm in a great season. How's that praise going? How's that time of being intentional each day to set aside some time to sing or go for a walk in nature or sit in your backyard and listen to the tuis going crazy in the kōwhai? Oh, my gosh. And praise God and thank Him. Well, maybe it's that last one, and this is the, the scary one. Maybe it, you're really sick emotionally or spiritually or physically or whatever, and you're like, man, I know James is saying to me real loudly right now, and the Holy Spirit's confirming it, that I need to call the elders, and it's either arrogance <laughs> that's stopping you or fear, and I acknowledge the fear one. It's real scary. Um, so normally there's one elder that you're not too scared of. <laughs> Because elders are pretty scary. Eh? So maybe think, okay, I'm just going to be gonna be bold. <laughs> I'm going to text them or phone them or see them today even and say, hey, I'd love a couple of elders to come and, and pray with me. So we have male, female elders in our church. That makes it kind of safer for ladies. But let me pray for us. Yeah, kia ora atua. Thanks for these cool verses by James. So challenging on prayer. Eh? Um, yeah, I think we're really good at being distracted by life and being drawn away from you rather than running to you. I love how James just literally is saying here, just pray, 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 pray. <laughs> if things are great, pray, praise God. If things are just really terrible, pray. If things are really, really terrible, <laughs> get someone else to pray for you. Get the elders to pray for you and anoint you with oil, saying that they're setting you apart for special healing, special blessing by God. Yeah. Yeah, praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.